Do you know a woman who is driving positive change, growth, or innovation in her organization or community? The second annual Success Women of Influence Awards are underway. So whether a friend, a family member, or peer, give the recognition she deserves. The Success Women of Influence Awards honor, celebrate, and empower the extraordinary women whose contributions have impacted their industries and their communities, and the personal and professional lives of those in their world. Visit success.com slash WOI to nominate the women of influence in your life today. I know enough to know how powerful perception is and quite honestly, how easily the brain can misperceive things. And I believe that when it comes to money, like deep down, a lot of people have this belief that managing the money is supposed to be uh, easier, effortless or, or almost automatic as the same way that you think about involuntary things that, that the brain and the body does, like breathing and blinking, like, right. Those things just happen naturally. And I think people, correct your heartbeat. I think, the reason why people think of it that way is because money is so ubiquitous. Uh, and we've been engaging with money for our, you know, practically our entire adult lives. It, they, they can't fathom the idea that I could have come this far and gone so long without understanding the fundamentals, right? Because they just can't wrap their head. Their brain doesn't accept that. And again, we don't call this neglect. Welcome to the Rich and Regular Podcast presented by Success, where we explore life at the intersection of money. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Julian. And today we're talking about overcoming neglect. Yes. Neglect. That's a big, meaty, mental, emotional topic, but we're (laughs) going to get into that. But before we do that, today is November 13th, 2023, which means the doors for our first investing class are officially open. Making money grow. MMG. MMG. I'm not going to... I'm just gonna call it making money grow. I just made that up because it just nobody calls it MMG. MSG. Oh, okay. I'm a New Yorker. I don't want to do that. <laughs> making money grow. This is a first class on investing. It's four modules, 26 lessons, and everything you need to know about investing in under five hours. So if you've joined our mailing list, then you should have already received an early bird discount of 40 percent off. And we will just go ahead and leave that open just a little bit, just in case there's some people who are just finding out about it today, even though we've been kind of teasing it a little bit on social media. But if you don't already know and you don't have that uh, code, head to richandregular.com slash mail, that's M-A-I-L, to join our list. And from there, you should be good to go. All right. So today's topic, financial neglect or avoidance, if that's a preferable word, was actually inspired by the last episode. And what also made me think of is that the slope between prioritizing, making trade-offs, delaying and neglecting or avoiding is quite slippery. Like you may start in one place because, you know, you say, you tell yourself, this isn't a priority for me. But then two months later, you're kind of wallowing in this sea of neglect because some things just can't sit that long without becoming, you know, a problem without metastasizing. Most things. Most things. (laughs) A lot of things. Maybe not most things, but a lot of things, a lot of really important things. And so before we dive in today, I just want to clarify that this isn't an episode that is meant to shame you. I know for me, shame is a highly reactive emotion, and that's really not our goal here. This is going to be an invitation to confront your neglect because we think that the 
the best way to tackle it is to actually learn from it. So just keep that in mind as you listen. Learning is the goal, not blaming yourself for past slip-ups or trying to prevent future slip-ups. That's the next step. Because what we've seen is that when the pressure to fix, quote unquote, outweighs the pressure to learn, you start to engage in what I would call desperate or risky behavior. Mm. And nobody really wants that. So if you're listening and maybe you have been neglecting or avoiding an area of your finances, whether it's your debt or estate planning, or even an important conversation that you need to have with a loved one, you'll have to fight against the urge to find a single explanation or silver bullet for whatever happened that you think is going to fix it. We're simply inviting you to study your brain a little bit. You know, I would not have thought you would have said learning is the goal. Um, <laughs> That's an I, evolved perspective. Well, I mean, that makes sense. You know, it may be because it was just starting to feel like a therapy session. Even <laughs> That's though I've where never, I am. I've never been with therapy, <laughs> but I've, I've seen enough of it on television. I thought you were going to say acceptance is the goal, right? Acceptance. Oh, yeah. But maybe, Eventually you get maybe there. I was going to say, I'm sure someone will say, well, technically acceptance is on the path to learning. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a stage it's a that you, it's, it's all, everything's a spectrum, right? So there are a million places that we could start on this subject, but I think I will start with the obvious, which is that neglect can be really expensive. Like yeah. it, it can be really expensive. And again, I, you know, I think people know that they, they can imagine that, but like, it's one of those things, like it is such a powerful thing where it's just like, I know I need to do this. I know. I know. I don't need you to tell me again. I know. I don't need to read another thing. I don't need to listen to another podcast. I know I need to do it. But like, it, it is one of those things. Like, it doesn't matter if we're talking about an unpaid bill that is racking up interest and late fees, or even if you flip it a little bit and we're talking about opportunity costs, which is like something that you know you could be taking advantage of or something else that you could be doing with your time or your money, right? Neglect just has this way of just kind of standing in between you and accomplishing that thing or, 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 experiencing that positive outcome. And again, like it's, it's, it's a really, really big and nasty sort of thing that we want to try to help you move out of the way. And the thing is, what I find really interesting about it though, is that it doesn't matter like how much money you make, right? Like neglect is not something that only, you know, affects like one type of person, like men or women or any of that stuff, right? It doesn't matter how smart you are, how hard of a worker you are. Like if you don't pay attention to your money, like if you neglect some critical detail, it does not discriminate, right? It will lead to a big challenge. And in some cases, that challenge can be irreversible, right? I'll start with that. And and I will I will give an, an example as to, and this, and I'll, I will preface it by saying this actually ends in a positive uh, version. So it's probably not like the best example of neglect, but it's, it's one that I always think to because, or think about. I remember during our hardcore debt payoff days, and we were so absolutely focused on paying off the mortgage on our home that if, if it were tolerable, we were like, fine, let's like ignore it, ignore it. But there was one particular thing that we ignored and I, I, I regret not tackling it earlier. And it was in our old home and it was the crack in the floor. And every time it would rain, it was in the living room. And every time it would rain, like particularly hard or if the ground outside was already saturated, basically water would kind of seep into our living room a little bit. Mm -hmm. And we would just put down like beach towels. And then after it would like soak through the beach towel. Yeah, we just have soggy And you just carpet. put another one. And, and it was, it's fine. It would go away. And then like we, you know, we 
can put sprinkle some stuff, make it not, not smell too bad. And and it was like so gross, right? But, and there were some nights where you know you would just like jump over it, and after a while, like it, to me, this is like the quintessential sign of neglect. You just you just ignore you normalize it. You're just ignoring this like sinkhole yeah. <laughs> building there. And the reason why I ignored it is because in my mind, I was like, it's coming from the floor. It's the foundation. If we even try to stick scratch the surface is going to lead to like all kinds of other issues. And I just don't want to know how the story Mm -hmm. ends. So long story short, we ended up paying off the mortgage. We get ready to completely renovate the home. This is after our wedding. And we're talking to the contractor and we're like saying, we want to fix this. This like basically everything from floor to ceiling. And then we get to the floor and I'm like, and oh, by the way, there's something (laughs) here. I kind of wanted to wait until the end to solve for this issue. And he looked at him and was like, yeah, all right, well, we'll see what it is, what's going on, you know, that's that. And so long story short, weeks go by, we're wrapping up the thing, and I'm like tense. I'm like waiting for him <laughs> yeah. to call me and say, hey. We're thinking we're going to have to make trade-offs in the He's actual like, hey, renovation. Man, I know I quoted you on this, but we learned that this thing, and it's going to be like another five, ten thousand dollars $10,000. Like, I'm sorry. And he's like, yeah, I mean, it's a simple patch. We just put... Uh, put some spin on that. We can smooth that right on out and that'll be a problem. Uh, problem solved. I was like, how much more? He was like, oh, it's about 500 bucks. And I was like, wow. It was relief. Like, relief. Yeah. But like years of like unnecessary, like dread yeah. all down the drain, soggy feet at the middle of the night sometimes. <laughs> I can literally, I kid you not, in our basement now, it's the last thing I'll say, in our basement right now, we can step down to it. Till this day, Every time I step down off this step right here and I'm pointing to it, you guys can't see it, obviously. It's like ingrained in my mind that one day I'm going to step down and I'm going to hear <laughs> And it's like my foot in water because I'm so accustomed to that happening. Like That's how deeply oh my mental it is. <laughs> that's funny. I, I don't have the same affliction, but now that you've said that, I, I see the muscle memory, right? Because it is a step down just like we used to have in our it living is. room. We had a sunken living room, y'all. Anybody still have those? I'm sure they do. All right. So yeah, that's a perfect example of neglect, especially in the context of what we're talking about, because while there are some things that are harder to fix than others, most of stuff in finance is figure outable. If you can first decide to address the problem. Yes. So I want to get practical for a minute and start with like the first step. And I think that the first step in overcoming your avoidance is starting with what you know. And this isn't easy. It sounds easy, but it's not easy. It may take you a week or even longer, but I want you to spend some time just writing down your understanding of your financial situation. So it might sound something like this. I earn $1,800 every two weeks. Here are all of the ways that I spend that money. I carry a balance on two different credit cards. One has $3,000 and one has $900. I have three more that I don't have a balance on at all. Here are the limits for those cards. Here's the interest rate that I'm paying. I don't have additional savings. I contribute 4% of my paycheck to a retirement account. I don't know what happens with that money because I haven't checked the balance on that account in over two years, right? Things like that. There's no judgment. There's just a, it's almost like an anchor reading out the news of your financial situation. If you find yourself adding judgment, remove that part from this step. Once you have an understanding of your financial situation, then I want you to come up with a few reasons about how you think you got here. Now, again, the goal is not to create a long list of the things that you didn't do, but instead I want you to focus on the things that you did do. And you did those things because of how you perceived your world 
at that time. Mm -hmm. So you can say something like, well, I paid the minimum on my credit card because I needed the cash to pay my friend back for the concert tickets that she got. Or I left the stack of mail there because I knew I didn't have the money to pay the bill anyway. And so what was the point of even opening it? At the end of it, you kind of want to check in with yourself to make sure like, is my understanding of my situation correct? Again, this isn't always easy. Sometimes it helps to get feedback from a third party or a trusted source, but it takes the point here is to is to clean up your thinking because it makes it so much easier for people to help you if you can talk about your situation in a somewhat objective order versus just saying like, girl, my money is just a hot mess. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so behind. I got so much debt. Like, Just learn how to talk about your situation in an objective way and to record the full picture of your financial situation can help you establish the clarity that you need. This sounds so oddly familiar, and it's probably because we've met so many people who use that language and who approach their their financial situation in that way. To your to your point, I guess this is like a byproduct of neglect, but they just they call it something else, right? Yes, they they call it something else. They treat it very casually. We talk about that in our book about just how lackadaisical it is. But to your point, a lot of it boils down to neglect and people really failing to focus on the role that money or neglect of their money is leading to the sense of unfulfillment or unhappiness that they have. I think another way to look at this though is to is to also go as you're going through that process that Kirsten mentioned is to ask what 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 have I tried or or put another way what solutions have I attempted to implement to solve the problem and and I say that because I found myself uh, in recent months being really interested in studying the brain and how it works and what its primary functions are. And of course, I'm not an expert by any means, but I know enough to know how powerful perception is and quite honestly, how easily the brain can misperceive things. And I believe that when it comes to money, like deep down, a lot of people have this belief that managing the money is supposed to be uh, easier, effortless, or or almost automatic. The same way that you think about involuntary things that, that the brain and the body does, like breathing and blinking, like, right? Those things yeah, just happen naturally. And I think people, correct, your heartbeat. I think the reason why people think of it that way is because money is so ubiquitous. Uh, and we've been engaging with money for our, you know, practically our entire adult lives. It, they, they can't fathom the idea that I could have come this far and gone so long without understanding the fundamentals, right? Yes. Because they just can't wrap their head. Their brain doesn't accept that. And again, we don't call this neglect, right? But like when that idea, when the notion that you might not actually know what you're talking about or know what you're doing because you are either taught incorrectly or you were never taught and you've been kind of skating by your entire life, like they they reject that idea. They reject that notion. They throw that idea out. And unfortunately, you know, if you were wrong and it's something that like just continues to, to fester, like you find yourself like at this critical point, like kind of being confronted by this neglect. And, I, you know, I'm hesitating a little bit because I'm thinking about my mom, for example, who I think a lot of people can identify with not just older people or older women, but a lot of people. And, you know, she's an immigrant, came here from Jamaica to her. I mean, she came during a time where the, the American dream felt 
so much more real and achievable. And she accomplished that dream, which for her was to own her home. And then a couple of years ago, we ended up in a situation where we came to the conclusion that selling her home was the absolute like best thing to do. And it took a long, 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 long road to get there. Long story short, a couple of years later, even though she said that selling her home was one of the best decisions that she'd ever made and she was debt free for the first time in her entire life because of the proceeds that she got from that, she still wants a home. She cannot overcome the, uh, the, the urge to own or feel like or consider herself a homeowner, despite the pain and the frustration right. that it caused her, despite not being able to deal with the, the cost of ownership or any of those other things. And so all of that to say, I think when we, when we neglect, uh, to go deeper and like ask that harder set of questions, I think we find ourselves constantly seeking newer versions of temporary solutions and constantly being underwhelmed by those solutions ability to address the problems that we actually have. It's just like put a different Band-Aid. Oh, you know what? I need a different color Band-Aid. And I was like, oh, so you, maybe you just don't cut the whole thing out. Like you don't need it. You, you, right. maybe, maybe home ownership, right? Like aside from like the identity or the label, maybe home ownership as a responsibility is not something that's suitable for you. Right. You know what I mean? And so that's like the root of the issue. And it might've been great for you in your thirties and forties, but in your fifties and sixties, it's a different life for any variety of reasons. Exactly. It may not necessarily be real for you right now. So Yes. 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 I also think that the benefit of looking at what you've tried, I love that question. What have I tried? I think the benefit of looking at what you've tried is that you can see that there usually is activity happening. It's almost impossible. Like when we say neglect, we tend to think like, oh, I'm not doing anything about this. But going back to the floor uh, example, we were doing you a were lot. Doing something we about it. we yeah. were putting towels down. We were jumping over it. I, I was, we were. <laughs> I was being so kind as to swap out the towels. Yeah, we were looking at the weather every day from yesterday. So it's a yeah. different towel. Design. Yeah, we were doing activities, and when it comes to your money, it's almost impossible to live in a capitalistic, consumer-driven society and not interact with your money. So it may not be this situation of total neglect. Yeah. It's just that some activity that you're doing is healthier and more productive than other types of activity. And those patterns are what you're looking to uncover. What are the things that I'm doing and are they approaching or serving the goal that I have for my life? All right. So once you have a list of kind of what you know about your financial situation and what you've tried, from there, you got to find you some community. And you want to start with asking questions where the answer is a fact. Again, we run into a lot of people who come into a community and they immediately tell their story and they're like, fix me. And that's a challenge because a lot of people don't know anything about you, right? You're kind of putting yourself at a disadvantage to get the information or the help that you need. Now we have a whole chapter about finding community in our book, Cashing Out. But the point is you got to find your people and you can find them either online, offline, or some combination of both. But like we caution you in our book, sometimes the people that are closest to you, sometimes the people that you would naturally turn to for advice or for feedback have too much context and can't provide a really straightforward answer without adding this side of judgment or I told you so. So for this step of just asking questions where the answer is a fact, I always defer to the option of asking strangers on the internet. Now, <laughs> asking... <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Which sure. is why I did not pause between sentences because asking uh, asking strangers on the internet can be a really useful skill that gets you a lot of useful information. But 
it is also the hard mode of learning because the person on the other end really knows very little about your situation, like I was saying before. So instead of putting this unreasonable burden on yourself to give this full backstory and possibly, you know, put yourself at risk for oversharing, we actually recommend that you start with asking questions where the answer is a straight up fact. So examples, can a credit card company ever decrease your limit? Yes or no, right? That's a fact. Is it possible to get life insurance without a doctor's appointment or without health insurance? And it's like, yes or no, that's a fact. Do I have to pay taxes on side hustle income? Yes or no. These are questions that are very straightforward. Not, is this a good investment? Yeah, what side or, hustle should I do? Yeah. Like, th- th- that's, hey, which one has worked for yeah, you? Yeah, should I do this or that? And it's like, it depends, right? Yeah. Until we know. And the benefit of asking these types of questions, as silly as they may seem, is that one, you're no longer avoiding the issue. You're starting to take responsibility for your own understanding and the assumptions that are guiding your situation. But you're also adding to that list of things that you know. It's an opportunity to learn more. And through that, you may uncover something that you hadn't considered or find that little bit of motivation that gets you on the right track. Yeah. So it could be because I've been watching a good bit of nature films on Netflix the other day, but like there's safety in numbers. And I think that's true when it comes to being a part of these groups and and these communities, right? That's definitely one of the pros is, you know, you get to look and well, one, you get to ask and, and sort of sort through an entirely different set of solutions that may not have even come to mind because like you were only operating within your own frame of reference. But this gives you an opportunity to kind of learn from other people. Of course, you know, there's some cons to that. There are some people who may not necessarily be an expert or truly understand the situation, but that's certainly not going to stop them from weighing in on your situation because you did ask for it. So it's certainly something that you want to be uh, mindful of. I also think, though, one of the unsuspecting things that only happens, I think, after you've really embedded yourself in a community is, you know, you find yourself because if you think about it, you show you show up pretty much like sort of head in hand and like, you know, neck hung and like, <laughs> look, I, I'm ashamed and please be nice. And like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I hope this question doesn't sound stupid. Right. You, you start yeah. out that way. And you know, if you stick with it, like, all right, you're not that way. You start sitting up a little straighter, you know, next week, you're a little straighter next week. Like, all right, you're just showing up. And it's like, I'm, I'm here as an active member, just like everyone else. You start to see the people who look like you a few weeks ago pulling in and they're, they're like encouraging them now. Yeah. And I think that moment uh, comes for a lot of people where you now have the answer to a question that, you feel uniquely qualified to respond to, especially for something that you are like an expert in and you have an opportunity to kind of pay it forward. I think that's one of the biggest boosts to people's confidence and has like such a huge ripple effect. And so again, you know, there are pros and cons to being a part of communities and groups, but I think these are things that we should really be thinking about. And that should give you some idea of kind of what to expect in your own sort of experience as you find and or start to embed yourself into them. The other thing I will mention is that sometimes community or like being a part of the group in a traditional sense isn't like this two-way exchange. Sometimes it's like a podcast like we have now, and maybe the podcast has a group and you can just kind of go and search for the answer to a question and sort of find it in an interview with someone or in someone else's story or something like that. Or it's like YouTube or something and you find you know, the answer to, you know, I've done that quite a bit, like just sort of as we've been building out our platform across multiple 
multiple channels. Like you have a problem, you go to a place, you find a community or a group of people where they seem to have figured it out. And like all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is a really great trusted resource, problem solved, as opposed to not asking, staying within your own means, not searching and just continuing to beat your head against the wall. Or even worse, just believing that there is no solution to whatever it is that you, uh, to whatever problem that you might've encountered. I think the point is really about just like, overcoming that neglect of not addressing the issue at all. I'll go back to the previous example, ripping off that Band-Aid and really just being honest about the fact that your self-derived solutions or attempts to understand the problem just haven't been working. And rather than continuing to ignore it, you kind of come to a place where you believe that you have to do something about it and you think that there's some value in a community or a group somewhere. If you think about... um like AA, again, not an expert on alcohol anonymous, but AA is probably one of the primary examples that people think of as a group when people are looking to overcome their struggles with addiction. And when we're talking about money, like there's no debtors anonymous, there probably should be, but there might be, there might be. I know there's a gamblers anonymous. There's a gamblers anonymous for sure. But like, the the same model kind of exists in a variety of different forms, right? So if there isn't one to your point, like that same idea, these communities, these places where people come together who have struggled with an issue and agree that there's some value in kind of learning from each other, like that's really what it's about. And again, I don't think a lot of people think about that from a financial perspective for a variety of reasons. I think it's like too personal or they just can't imagine a world where there might be other people out there telling all their business about their money. It was like, yeah, but it it's real. It happens all the time. We were shocked the first time we saw it too, but just that act made talking about money seem so much more normal and that simple act really like unlocks and I think expedites your ability to kind of learn in a way that learning on your own just simply can't do. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, we started this podcast by talking about how this is about learning, how the process of this is about learning. Yeah. And the reality is there isn't just one way to learn. And I think people who are engaged in a form of neglect also tend to be all or nothing or perfectionist people. And they tend to dismiss activity like what we're describing as the nothing right? Because it's not directly impacting their finances. Or they'll say that this type of work doesn't matter because it doesn't actually fix the problem. They'll sit here and listen to this podcast, which is a a first step. You are doing something. You're listening to a podcast, but they'll tell themselves, I'm not doing anything to address this issue. And the reality is you're going to struggle to change the habit if you don't honor the small steps versus the overnight changes and the big grand gestures. If you undermine the parts of you that don't enjoy the experience and never explore why you don't enjoy it, then you're never going to get to the root cause and you're just going to continue to repeat the cycle. Yeah. So I will share my own anecdote. It's not um, it's not financial, but you could argue there's some financial implications. But um, I have been committed to just being healthier this year like more so, and I would say differently than I have in previous years, right? So certainly as we were going through the tough days of the pandemic, it was really all about like, how do we like just get out the house while stay safe and like just break the habit of waking up and, you know, drinking too much and eating too much and binge watching more Netflix. Long story short, I like millions of other Americans put on a little bit too much weight. And I was like trying to figure out ways to shed that weight. But of course I was committing myself to 
this stubborn idea of what weight loss or the process of weight loss looked like that was more relevant for me in my 20s and 30s. And I had to remember, like, we just went through this big blip. It was like, you're in your 40s now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you, you know, that that model, that approach really isn't applicable for you anymore. Long story short, one of the big things that I did was I finally decided to download this app called Reframe that I've been using to monitor my alcohol intake and learn more about like the harmful effects of alcohol. And I'll just pause here. I'm not judging anyone that still drinks. I still drink. But long story short, it's about being actively involved, taking part in the community. Getting sort of curious getting about curious why. Getting curious about why and really going on this path of self-discovery to figure out more about myself and the the impact that it has. Long story short, I woke up today and I was like, maybe this isn't a fluke, but I just felt lighter, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I went and, and I'm, I'm down 15 pounds wow. since I started in April. And again, this is not doing... Almost any of the things that I had previously told myself yeah, the activity. were absolutely critical for me. Like you could not have told me that I did not understand my body and what I needed to do. But like, again, it's been more so through like just simply mindfully reducing alcohol, tracking it, portion sizing, and just like sort of like as the app suggests, reframing the role that it plays in my mind. And through that process, I've probably seen the best results than I've ever had in my adult life. And so whether we're talking about weight loss or finances, whatever it is, whatever goal that it is that you are neglecting, hence the topic of this episode, I think we kind of just owe it to ourselves to say, you know what, let me not write off some of the solutions that may not have felt comfortable to me in a previous point of my life, let me just be honest, lay everything out on the table, open myself up to a completely different set of solutions and approaches to those solutions. And I think you might be surprised by the outcome. Let's take a quick break here and then we will be back with helping you overcome neglect. Are you ready to supercharge your life and get access to more opportunities than you've ever dreamed of? Then join me, James Whitaker, in the Win the Day Accelerator. Presented by Success, this entire eight-part program has been created to help you activate your winning life once and for all. You'll gain clarity on your goals and purpose. You'll learn how to quickly overcome challenges, and you'll get proven tips and frameworks that will deliver you big results fast in all areas of your life. So if you're ready to win, join me in the Win the Day Accelerator. To sign up, visit success.com slash WTD. I mean, that story was the perfect segue because the next step is really acknowledging that there are invisible levels of expertise. And so if you've only been basing your approach and your plan based off of what you see other people doing, you're missing a really important piece. You also need to know how they think. And there's a couple of ways to uncover that. The first way is to start asking a more advanced type of a question. This is where you're basically asking someone to reveal their hidden assumptions, expectations, or knowledge. And you don't ask them that way. You don't just roll up and be like, hey, tell me all of your hidden assumptions, expectations, and knowledge. (laughs) But But the point is to, to realize that a lot of people who have the result that you're looking for, whether it's your 
weight or your nutrition habits or financial habits, they have that because they're operating from this level of muscle memory. It's kind of a tacit knowledge that comes from just doing something for a really long time. And so when you encounter people like that, instead of asking them and always focusing on the what, you want to start asking about the how and the when. So the questions that you might ask them or that you might look for in interviews with them is, how did you know it was time to get a coach? What kinds of things did you look for when you were hiring your financial advisor? Was there something specific in your life that happened that made you want to aggressively tackle your debt or get serious about your alcohol intake? These are the types of things that you're listening for instead of just searching for that quick fix. Because if you've trained your brain that the only thing that works is the thing that you can implement immediately, right? You can go run three miles on the treadmill, then you're missing the part that supports that, which is the under, you know, the the thinking that's underneath it. Yeah. This feels like a continuation of the last episode we had around like some of the things that we know to be true about people who are experiencing some type of midlife conflict. I know I know we danced around like what we were calling it. We didn't call it a crisis, but <laughs> the I, unraveling. Yeah, the, the <laughs> midlife unraveling. But this is a little bit of a, a continuation of that story. And I say that because, you know, when you think about like what, you know, when people are seeking help from an expert and this like this stubbornness, <laughs> this is unwillingness to accept certain things as fact or, you know, um, or, or, or even what might be the thing that triggers them to ultimately change their behaviors or start to commit to building some new habits. And I think a couple of things happen uh, th- that I've seen, right? Certainly when it comes to like older, more mature people is that like two things. One, it, it requires you to be a bit more vulnerable than you likely have been in the past. I think the older you get, the more, the more life experience you get, you reach these points, like, you know, what it takes to overcome neglect. I think you have to be willing to be much more vulnerable, right? Cause we've built up this shield and this idea of who we are for so long. You gotta be uncomfortable. You gotta be comfortable sort of saying, actually, I'm not bad at all. But two, I think it requires you like to be an active listener, probably better or more so than you have in the past. And I say that because advice or counsel or the thing that might actually help to lead you to a solution is likely not going to look the same way. And again, I'm using the same example that I said before. You could not have told me that my path to losing weight was not going to look like me working out three to five times. Yeah, personal week. trainer. <laughs> 5 a.m. Sucking it up and spending <laughs> the money to get a person. Correct. That's what I thought. And was like, actually, no, nah, I mean, you're, you're good. Your, your routine is pretty solid. You just need to kind of cut these things out, focus on rest, sleep, and do those things. And I think you'll actually be surprised with when you get there. And I may, I remember making that big bet and saying, I wonder if I am doing kind of not everything right, but I wonder if I am doing these things right, but I'm just like approaching it wrong. And that happened to be my situation. And I think, again, it comes right back to especially when we're talking about adults, like what it takes for us to unlock new learning. I have found more often than not that it's story. And data has validated the importance of story. If you've ever watched a TED Talk and you're wondering why everybody's telling stories or quite honestly, even the way that we designed Making Money Grow, like incorporating stories, um, some of the conversations that people still come up to us having read our book, they're saying that story about whatever it is or the story of season two with us talking to my mother about her experience immigrating here from Jamaica was the thing that made someone finally say, you know what, I really do need to have this conversation because like support needs to have limits or 
the time where we went to your grandmother's house mm-hmm. and we had that conversation and people felt like, oh my gosh, that looks like my grandmother's house or that feels like my grandmother's house. And we get these notes and say, wow, that was the thing that made me finally say, I've got to ensure that I don't throw all this away because I've been neglecting getting an estate plan done. Yeah. You know, I can go on and on and on, yeah. but like there's a reason why we do that. And I think the reason why I'm sort of hammering home at this point is because so many of us were so smart and so stubborn that we've committed to this idea that the thing that's going to trigger us to change looks a certain way. And it's probably not going to look that way, right? It's no, and if you don't believe me, ask anyone that's married. Right. right? Like it, <laughs> or has raised a child. And has raised a child <laughs> yeah. and has tried to tell that child or that husband or that wife to do something or to change. We could say it a hundred times. It's going to take that person meeting someone that they've never met, telling them a story or just being in a completely different context. And all of a sudden, the thing that you've said a hundred times before all of a sudden makes sense, right? And so that's what makes messages stick. It's your willingness to sort of accept maybe an unconventional form or version of the truth. It's your ability to listen and really take advantage of that moment when somebody shares something with you. And, you know, whatever it is, like if, if there's a financial hangnail, I'll just call it, <laughs> that you've been neglecting to clip for a long time, it's likely not going to be because like you didn't need to clip it. Like you knew you needed to clip it, right? <laughs> it's because your brain has not alerted you to do something about it because it doesn't recognize it as a threat yet. And hearing other people's successes and failures through their own stories, I think is just one of the best ways to kind of trigger yourself to finally doing something about it. And so that's where community comes in. That's where you being willing to be vulnerable comes in and also kind of returning the favor and like being an active listener so that you can actually learn from other people's experiences and apply it to your own. Yes. I mean, if nothing else, leaning into storytelling teaches you that your money story is one that you control because a story, like what is a story? A story is just a series of events that are taking place and kind of reacting to each other. The plot builds and the tension is created based on what's happened previously. But in this case, you are the writer. You control what happens next. And so this last tip is really just building on something that you already said. And it's to actually start looking for questions that you can answer. Once you start Mm. engaging in these online forums and kind of sifting through YouTube comments or whatever it is, it won't take you too long to realize that someone is asking a question that has either been answered before or that was answered in something that you might have asked, right? And so a great way to teach your brain and to build that confidence from the inside out is to know and do what you know to do. <laughs> you yeah. can apply that knowledge and actually answer the question. Not only does it keep you sharp, but it helps you overcome the hurdle of, I didn't know or nobody ever told me because those are just lies that our brain tells ourselves when we know that the right thing to do is is A and we're choosing to do B. Yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree with you. Um, was that your final thought? That sounded no. like that was like big final thought energy. <laughs> it was big final thought energy. I do actually have a different final thought. All right. Well, let's cue the music. Let's see what you got. So my final thought is you may have noticed that in this episode, I didn't give any actions related to your financial situation. I didn't tell you to go rip open your mail and or 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 freeze your credit card in a block of ice or go find a side hustle and make $10,000 before the end of the month. And the reason for that is because I don't believe in approaching financial neglect without really understanding what's going on in your mind first. 
all of your actions in all aspects of your life get their flavor from the thoughts that created them, the thoughts that fueled them. And so it's really hard to make sustainable progress when you don't take the time to clean up your own thinking. And that's, again, in all things, not just money. Trust me, I've learned this the hard way. So instead of judging yourself and just rushing to try to get rid of the problem, I encourage you to try to get curious about it first and see what you find out. I like that. I like that. I'm usually the bad cop, but <laughs> but this time um, I just don't have it in me. I think um, I think my my final thought is really that uh, we actually shouldn't be so hard on ourselves with respect to the things that we have neglected in our financial lives, because I think a lot of us beat ourselves up over all the things that like we'd wish we'd done differently, but what we're not factoring in is that like we live busier lives today than I think ever before, and there are more things that than ever before. Yes, with right. far less community and support. Correct, correct. So it really is difficult. There's a reason why so many people are are struggling and you're certainly not alone in that effort. So I think just focusing on getting started, kind of accepting that it may not be a perfect path or a smooth path to resolution or even improvement. But I think the more you stick with it, the more likely that you will be able to build that new habit or the new set of habits and the more likely that you'll be able to cross that thing off the neglect list and kind of put it into the positive story to tell list. I think ultimately that's what this is about. And I think like just don't beat yourself up about it, right? You are not alone. I'm telling you right now because people are quite honest and vulnerable with us about the things that they've not done. And I'm telling you, 80% of us are really, really struggling out here. Some people just sort of wear it differently. So don't beat yourself up. Just kind of stick with it. And I think um, you, you, maybe you'll look you look back, you know, maybe yeah. six, eight months and say, wow, I can't even believe I was complaining about that thing. Be humble bragging about how you lost 15 pounds without trying. I mean, that could be you. <laughs> it wasn't easy. It wasn't Just easy. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Rich and Regular Podcast presented by Success. If you like what you heard but have neglected to leave us a five-star rating and review then ignore everything I just said and go fix that right now. Just kidding. (laughs) Unless you go do it. (laughs) We will see y'all next week.